last week, I had a few days away and went backpacking in Waterton National Park. And since even on holidays, I can't turn my brain off, I just sit there and think about the things that are around me. And when I was in backpacking in Waterton, I started thinking about the trees. Waterton had a big fire a couple years back, and so there were big sections of the mountainsides that was just scorched trees. Or when you were hiking one day, we looked over on the, uh, the mountain facing us, and you saw patches of gray of these trees scattered through the green evergreens, gray, probably eaten and dead by bugs, maybe pine beetles saw others where it's the question, well, why did one spruce tree's seed fall in a place where it's huge and massive and hundreds of years old, and others are way up in the alpine and barely get taller than me? Or at one point, there was a whole slew of trees just completely washed out by an avalanche, little saplings that never even had the chance to grow strong enough to endure it. Why does one get a better fate than another? Why does one get to grow and the other one's life is cut short? And in that, we see what St. Paul is talking about when he's talking about creation longing for fulfillment or subject to futility or he uses the image of groaning in labor pains. There's an imperfection even in creation let alone thinking about humanity and the experience that we have. And then Jesus goes on in the gospel today to talk about how for you it has been given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom and for them it has not. Why does one group get to listen and to understand and the other one doesn't? From that, I think there's two things that are constant struggles in our Christian life pointed out. One, things are imperfect, and they're always imperfect. And the second, it's not fair. There's a lack of fairness in the world around us. So what's Jesus' answer to this in the gospel today? Telling a parable. Jesus doesn't tell parables so that he can teach them with a nice story, like we would a fable to children. Parables make no sense to the people listening to them. Just think about the parable that he tells about the sower. If we didn't hear the part that comes after, where he talks about the seed as being the word of God, would you know what he's talking about? Oh, so he's a farmer, and he's talking about good times and bad times when you seed properly or don't seed properly. How can you make the connection that this is the word of God and this is the soul being receptive to what God is desiring? He's not clarifying anything for the people that are listening to the parables. So why does he tell them? Why does he tell parables to people that supposedly he's trying to teach and draw closer to God through them? Well, I think a lot of you have probably heard before that if someone goes blind, something that can happen for them is that their hearing acuity can go up. It's not a guarantee. It's not a one-to-one -one relation that if they go blind, they automatically hear better, but their other sense can compensate for their lack of sight. 
if they try to grow in that hearing acuity. That when one thing is taken away, the other one is built up. Part of what Jesus is doing in the parable is he's trying to get the people who have made themselves dull and have blocked their eyes from seeing, he's trying to get them to search more deeply. If we had everything laid out before us, we go, oh, that's just what it is, and then we just take it or leave it. But when we're searching for what is true, when it's always just out of our grasp, it keeps us searching if we choose to search. We can also just walk away from that search and say it's not worth it. But if it's not completely laid out for us, we can become like the blind person that sharpens their hearing. That when Jesus tells something in a parable, it keeps us blind to one thing, but can sharpen us to see what God is trying to tell us in another way, if we let it. St. Augustine has a famous quote. He says, You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You, you flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath and now I pant for you. Or Father Daniel and I, the last couple of weeks, we're catching up on baptisms that we haven't done in the last three months. And the very last part of the rite of baptism is called the ephata rite, which we've all heard before in the Gospel of John, and John is explicit, ephatha in Hebrew means to be opened. And what the priest does for the ephatha rite is he comes to the child and he signs with the cross over the child's ears and over their lips while he prays, may the Lord open your ears to hear his word and your lips to proclaim his praise to the glory of God the Father. And it's simply the acknowledgement that this child is too young to be able to perceive God's will for them in their life or to understand the faith that they have been given but our prayer is that as they grow in wisdom and in years, their ears might listen and understand God's word, and that they might speak and live this faith that they have received. Are we really open to that in our life? Are we really open to God in our life? Or do we fall into the temptation that our hearts have grown dull or we've stopped our eyes from seeing what God wants us to see. Part of what this reminds us of is what's supposed to be the default position of a Christian, which is that everything is gift. So Jesus says today, to you it's been given, to them it hasn't. Or in the parable he said, well, this one receives a hundredfold and this one sixtyfold and this one thirtyfold. Why didn't everybody get a hundredfold? Why didn't each field get a hundredfold? It doesn't matter. If we start from the place that everything is gift, or there's an expression in French, tout est grâce, everything is grace. But do we really believe that? Do we live from that? Because if we do, it doesn't matter how many blessings, how many graces God gives us in our life compared to our neighbor. Because we all struggle with that. Why does one person suffer more than this person? 
Why do I have this hardship and they don't seem to have that hardship? Why are they blessed in this way and I'm not? It's an easy temptation to fall into. But when everything is gift to us, it doesn't matter. Because you can have a selfless rich person and you can have a selfish poor person. It's not the amount that's given that matters. It's what we do with it. It's how we live from that gift that is given to us. Because God seemingly isn't fair. One hundredfold, one sixtyfold, one thirtyfold. But what we have to remember is what Isaiah tells us in our first reading today. When he's using the image of the rain coming down to the earth, he says, It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Whatever the blessing, whatever the grace given, it will fulfill God's purpose. And if we receive that as gift, then we'll be able to trust that God will bring all things to the good for our salvation. So that as we are part of this creation that is groaning in labor pains and waiting for fulfillment, we don't fall into the temptation of letting those challenges in life push us further away from God because God isn't doing what he said he was going to do. But rather we take the challenge of the parable and we allow it to sharpen our senses, to look more deeply to understand and to perceive what is God's end through this? What is God's desire through this? I'm not saying all this to lecture you, far from it. Like, you just need your faith to be stronger because I'm in the middle of it. How do we see God's will in the brokenness that we are living? Whether that's the struggle of the farmers of this area again this summer, whether that's the pandemic that we're living, whether that's the social unrest that seems to be growing around us, things personally in your own lives. How do we perceive and understand God's will, God's presence in the midst of that? It's not a definite answer. But God draws us deeper into relationship with him through them if we allow it. And if we are able to see and receive everything as gift, everything as grace, then whether we're the one who receives 30-fold or 100-fold, won't matter because it's from God. And that's enough. So allow the brokenness of the creation that we're living in to be the, the thing that allows you to perceive more clearly and to understand more profoundly how God is bringing all things to the end that he intends for us.